bringing you a common sense and fresh perspective to creating a just society. This is Common Sense on Social Justice. You'll get equipped with the tools you need to carry out social justice right where you are. Now, here's the host of Common Sense on Social Justice, Michael Davis. Welcome to Common Sense on Social Justice. I am your host, Michael Davis, and I am so glad you joined us today. If you want to join the discussion or have any questions or comments, you can email me at sjcommonsense at gmail.com. Today, I am excited because we're going to actually get into the nuts and bolts now of fleshing out, realizing a just society and how to build that. And of course, this is going to be an ongoing conversation, a long conversation. But uh, today's episode is going to be part one of two episodes because we're going to be showing you how to build justice where there is injustice. And then on the next episode, we'll be showing you how to do that within the neighborhood. I needed to break that up into two episodes because there's just a lot, a lot of differences between doing it on the individual level, which is what we'll be talking about today, and then doing it when you've got other people involved and a lot more opinions and people's thoughts to deal with. But uh, today we're talking about putting hands into the, or rather putting power in the hands of the oppressed. Uh Again, as you know from listening, that uh, I'm about the those who are being oppressed, those suffering the injustices, or those in poverty, them being the leaders and being on the front lines and their voices being heard. Now, you hear a lot today in society about people's voices being heard. Well, let's talk, but not a lot of show. And then when people's voices are heard, they tend to drown out everybody else's voices. So again, common sense, balance, that's what we want to achieve in this. Now, as we get into this discussion, I want you to think for a moment. And think of an oppressed person that you know. Maybe they're homeless individual or homeless family, someone in poverty, uh, maybe it's, it's people living in, a, a developing country in a slum somewhere, or maybe it's uh, a widow, maybe it's, uh, you know, children that don't have parents, uh, or, or maybe it's immigrants or whoever you can think of that may be suffering some form of injustice. Think of that person or group. How empowered do you think they feel? How empowered do they feel in their situation? How empowered do you see them as being? Do you see them as being empowered or being continually pushed down? And when I say empowered, I mean, how, how do you see them as being able to get out of their own situation? How hopeful do they feel? about their situation. If you've talked to people who are suffering, how hopeful do they feel? How often do they get to speak to the ones in power? How often is their opinion sought? How often does the media and society seek the opinion of those who are suffering? Yet, who knows more about injustice than those who are suffering injustice? Really? Really? 
You know, they're the ones that are the experts. I hear a lot of talk about experts on homelessness. I remember one time being on a town hall and there was probably 10 people on the panel and, and the media was all there. I was on the panel and we were touted as the experts on homelessness. But one of the things I told the audience at the town hall meeting, I said, we're called the experts on homelessness. And then I looked at each person on the town hall and we're talking about political leaders and big time ops in the city. And I said, um, how many of you been homeless? I've been homeless, but I'd ask them, how many of you been homeless? And then I looked back at the audience and I said, there's no experts on the panel because the experts on homelessness are those who are living in homelessness. They're the ones that really knows what's going on. Uh, we have to give a voice to the oppressed. We have to get them into the lead. If we're really going to get to solutions, we have to get them into the lead and get them heard and get their thoughts made. Now we can act as peacemakers, but then once we've acted as peacemakers, then we need to get out of the way and let them and do it. Now we'll talk more about the neighborhood in the next episode, but, uh, uh, here's the steps, uh, eight steps. How do you get from, from seeing the injustice and seeing the poverty and seeing the issues of oppression? How do you get from that to seeing success where the problem has been solved and there's justice realized and you see a just society in real time? How do you get that? There's eight steps you need to take to help the oppressed and to put the power in their hands. First of all is observe, just simply observe. What does the problem look like to me? Not don't listen to the news and their opinions on the problem. Don't ask others, just you yourself, just observe the problem and let the problem speak to you. If you see homelessness, uh, if you see people having to use the restroom in unsanitary ways or whatever, just observe and allow the situation to speak to you for itself without any biases. Observe for a while and just see what's going on. Don't make any assumptions. Don't allow biases to play into it. Just observe and let the observation form your thought. See, too often we form a thought and then we form our observation from the thought. No, just observe and then allow the observation to form your thought. Now, once you've observed, then moving into the next step, you ask the oppressed or you see those who are, are suffering, ask them what they want. This is something I often do when I go into homeless camps as I just ask people on the camp, what is it you want for your life? See, I tend to want to assume what they need for their life. And then I get surprised, even though I've been doing this for over 20 years, this kind of work, I get surprised to hear people's answers is often the complete opposite of what I thought the answer should be. And you'll be surprised what you hear and what you think they should want and what they actually want. 
And by the way, many of the things they say they want in life are beautiful things that they want in life, but they've given up on it. And it's our job to help instill that dream into them again. Now, sometimes some people say, I just want a roof over my head and I want to, you know, just have a simple place to be and no one bothering me. Now you might think, well, I want you to have more in that life, but if that's what they want, maybe then we need to learn and grow from that and maybe it would speak to us to not want to want so much stuff in life. So we observe, we ask them what they want. So if you see racism, ask those suffering from the racism, ask them what end result do you want? Not what we think they should want. And then the third step, once you've asked the oppressed what they want, research how the injustice uh, occurred to begin with. How did this injustice come to be? And don't be lazy on this, by the way. Do your research. Dig deep to find out what actually happened from the beginning and why did it happen. It is very, very important. And and hang with me on this point. It is very important that we ask what and why. It's not good enough to ask what happened. For example, racism, it's not good enough to say, what's the problem? Well, the problem is people hate others because of the color of their skin. That's not good enough. We have to go the next step and ask, why do people hate others because of the color of their skin? Uh, Or if it's homeless, it's not good enough to ask what happened. The answer, they lost their home because of lack of employment. We need to ask why was there a lack of employment? Why did they lose their home? What was not in place to help them sustain? You see, we we have to go the extra mile. So we're going to observe. We're going to ask the oppressed what they want. We're going to research how the injustice occurred. And then fourth step is we're going to ask the oppressor what their point of view is. I went silent for a moment because I wanted you to hear what I just said. The fourth step and necessary step is ask the oppressor their point of view. The one who's causing the injustice, it is important that we find out what's going on with them. Too often we leave them out of the equation. We merely just judge them from a distance. But you've got to understand something is that that the person causing or the group causing the injustice, they're human too, and they deserve a hearing because you might get some real good information from them. Uh, The fact is humans aren't always truthful. Even those who are being oppressed aren't always truthful. It's just the human condition. So ask the perceived oppressor, and I say perceived because we're not going to to say somebody is being an oppressor or causing injustice till we have all the facts. So we're going to ask the perceived oppressor, why did they take the action that they took? You know, it might be surprised. Maybe they had a really bad upbringing as a child, or maybe they went through a nasty divorce and now they're just getting revenge on society. We don't know we do things, even us, the listener, or uh, you as the listener, or me, a lot of times we, we do things we're not ash- that we're ashamed of, rather, 
uh, that we're not proud of. And, um, you know, we had reasons why we did it. We had a weak moment. So it's good to get the oppressor in on the conversation to realize a solution because then we can help them not keep perpetuating that negative action. Uh, one of the things that people who've worked with me have noticed is that even though I am a homeless advocate, that's the main work I do. I mean, I work in other ways. I work in East Africa and Kenya and uh, Tanzania with uh, the poor there, but mostly with the homeless here. But one of the things people who've worked with me have noticed that even though I'm a homeless advocate, I don't always defend the homeless because they're humans like the rest of us. They have their moments of not being so great either. Uh, even though I will defend them to my dying breath, I don't always defend their actions. So I'm just going to say the homeless aren't always truthful about their own shortcomings. And so they can twist the story a bit in their favor when you ask them what's wrong. So maybe something happened to the perceived oppressor that caused their attitude. Could be that, you know, as humans, we tend to react. We like to get revenge on people who hurt us. Maybe someone hurt them and the perceived oppressor reacted. You know, who knows? But we need to, in this fourth point, and the reason why I'm parking on this fourth point for a while is because this is an important part to ask the oppressor what happened, get their perspective. Again, Let's remember, in realizing a just society, our goal is healing for everyone. Our goal is not just healing for those who are suffering injustice, but there also needs to be healing for those who are causing injustice. And when the people who are causing injustice are healed, then they will no longer perpetuate that injustice. So there's your first four points. Let's get to the second half. The fifth and uh, next step, after we ask the oppressor their point of view, number five, we're going to then bring the oppressed and the oppressor together. We're going to be peacemakers. We're going to get them both at the table. Everyone is present and brought together. They're brought together. That is vital to this, to realizing justice, social justice, bringing everyone together. Now, Think about that for a moment. Can you imagine sitting at a table and on one side of the table physically present in the room is the person or group causing an injustice and right across from them looking at them as the people who are suffering the injustice. Do you think that maybe there might just be some accountability in doing that? Do you think that the oppressor might Think about, at least think about changing their ways if they have to look the, in the eye, those who are causing the problem. I've done that before. It's very uncomfortable. I'll tell you, the times I brought the, the oppressor, and the oppressor in those situations were just homeowners and business owners who were making life even more difficult for the homeless, and the, and the homeless who were making life difficult for the homeowners and business owners. And I'm going to tell you, when I brought them in the same room in a conversation, it was so uncomfortable. But the end results were beautiful. There was laughter. 
There was cracking of jokes. There was sharing of life stories. There was ideas that came up in those conversations that I could have never thought of. And so I encourage you, do that necessary next step. Then after you brought the oppressed and oppressor together, number six, defend the oppressed. Now, coming from my Catholic perspective, the Bible's the prophets in the Old Testament of the Bible, the Jewish prophets told the nation of Israel over and over and over again, defend the oppressed. In fact, God demanded of the people of Israel to defend the oppressed, defend the orphan and the widow. Um, the, throughout the, the Christian scriptures is the idea of defense of the oppressed. So we have to defend them. That, that even if we bring the oppressor in the room, we have to defend the cause of the oppressed. Uh, through the prophet of Jeremiah, God told the king of Israel that what was right and good and what really looked like justice to God is to defend the oppressed. Number seven, then after you defend them, the next step is help with a plan of healing. So we're going to help them as a peacemaker, again, we're, we're just merely acting as peacemakers, but we're going to help both sides figure out a plan of healing. How are we going to solve this problem and, and see good come out of this? So help them with a plan of healing and make it a doable plan. Now, don't make it a plan that feels impossible or too big. Just make it a really doable plan. And then uh, maybe even select some leaders from both from the oppressed or the oppressor, just select leaders who can carry out the plan. And maybe if they need help and support, just help them keep tracking along each step of the plan and keeping them accountable to make sure they're moving forward, not slipping back into old habits. And then finally, number eight, are you ready for this? The eighth and final step of putting hands in the, a power into the hands of the oppressed and seeing justice realized the final step drum roll get out of the way disappear go silent however else i need to say it just get out of the way uh i remember a protest that i had formed because a certain business was oppressing the homeless and making life really difficult for them for no for no real good reason. And so I, I helped the homeless and even neighbors joined in on the protest and helped them form the protest. And as you can imagine, it was a peaceful protest. It wasn't violent. And there was no yelling and no blocking of customers from the businesses. Just just a, a, a protest with an end goal of goodness and justice at the end of it. And there was conversation in the midst of the protest that was good and positive and productive. And I helped the homeless and the neighbors make signs. I helped them create a plan. And then I just left. And from time to time, I'd come in each day and check in on them, see how things were going. But I wanted to make sure that I was gone, not not as a chicken, but just gone because I didn't want to get in the way. I wanted them to lead it. And you know what? They found success uh, in that protest. All I did was guide. They did the work and the leading. Uh, the last time I was in Kenya, I was having a talk with some of the locals there in, in the town, and I asked them, what is it you want? 
Now, they're so used to having Americans and Europeans going there and telling them what they should want as Africans. And they were shocked. I mean, they looked at me with the dumbest look like, what do you mean, what do we want? I said, yeah, I'm not going to tell you what you think, what I think you should want. With a blank piece of paper, what is it you want? And you know what I found out is that they are brilliant they had phenomenal ideas, you see, and we'll realize those things as we work out these steps. Now, if you join me for the next episode, you're, we're going to repeat these steps again in the next episode, except we're going to do it from the standpoint of how to do this in the neighborhood, because it, it looks a little bit different because you're bringing groups of people together instead of doing it as individuals. But I want to encourage you to, to approach in a new way. Give power to people, give power to the oppressed and not a power that dominates, but rather a power that just merely means the sharing of human dignity, where they have the voice, they take the lead, they realize their own solutions to their own uh, oppression, injustice or poverty. Well, I'm glad you joined us today. I hope this has been a blessing to you. I hope it's been a help. I hope you feel like you really got tools you can work with again. If you need more help, more ideas, or have questions or comments, again, you can email me, Michael Davis, at sjcommonsense at gmail.com. Again, that's sjcommonsense at gmail.com. I hope you have a great day as you work towards creating a just society right where you are. You've been listening to Common Sense on Social Justice with your host, Michael Davis. A common sense and fresh perspective to creating justice where you are. Share your comments and questions with Michael by emailing sjcommonsense at gmail.com. That's sjcommonsense at gmail.com.